You may be thinking, is he going to be talking about joy today? Yes. Is it the, ther- is it the sermon I thought we was going to have for today? No. And, uh, you know, we've been looking at that passage from James 1, and if we just put up verses 2 and 3 from James 1 as we get started. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And we've asked the question, how is it possible? How is it possible to count it all joy? And Lord willing, next Sunday, I think I've been saying that for a couple Sundays, but, but next Sundays we'll be, we'll be diving into seeing what that looks like for the child of God, for the born again believer. But today, we're going into Hebrews, the 12th chapter, to look at the joy that was set before Christ. So let's go there. Let's go there. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, so a, since we are so surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now let me pause there for a minute. What was chapter 11 all about? The heroes of the faith. And, and, and the writer is writing this to a group of hurting Christians. That they're going through trials. And, it, and it's as though he reminded them of all the heroes of the faith. Don't, don't think you're alone. Look, look at these guys and what they went through. And, and so, since we're so, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we, we give You thanks for Your Word. And, and Lord, now we just ask that, that You would bless Your Word. We just ask that Your Holy Spirit would just come and, and enlighten us with Your Word. So Lord, help us to see Christ. Help us to know Him more. Help us to remember what He has done for us. So open our eyes, Lord. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Now we we talked about verse 1 quite a bit last Sunday. And you you can just, well, if you want to just put the single verse up there, I think I put it in that way if you want to. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us Lay aside every weight, every encumbrance, everything that would hinder us. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. You know, may we not be distracted in this life by sin and temptation. May we not be distracted and caught going after lesser things. Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily, so easily, would you say amen to that? 
so easily and put yourself in the verse ensnares me. And Lord, help me to run with endurance the race that is set before me. Running with endurance, pressing on, persevering in the face of trials and temptation, endurance, endurance, a steadfast determination to keep going, to keep fixed on the goal, the upward call, to keep looking to Jesus who is both the author, the beginning, and the finisher, the perfecter of my faith, of your faith, child of God. Keep looking to Him all the days of this short life. All the days of our life. Enduring to the end. Persevering to the end. Trusting God to the end. We read last Sunday, we'll read it again, Matthew 24, verse 13. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Not those who spring up, fall away. That reveals that their faith was not rooted, was not down deep, was not in Christ. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Now let's go back to Hebrews 12 verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And as I was considering that, I've never preached a sermon on this verse. We've probably talked to some degree about the joy that was set before Him. So, what was the joy that was set before Jesus and caused Him to endure the cross, despising the shame? You, You see, crucifixion was possibly the most shameful and horrible death that anyone could endure. And remember, yes, Jesus was divine. He was. He was Emmanuel, God with us. But... He was also born of a woman. Born on this earth. He was a man. God-man. Can I say it that way? God-man. He felt physical pain. Don't think He didn't. He, He came and lived and was tempted like us so that He might identify with our suffering. With our humanity. He possessed infinite glory with the Father before He came to this earth. Yet, and again, if I could say it this way, He temporarily lay it aside. Can I put it that way? He lay aside the glory that He had in heaven with the Father that He might take on humanity, that He might die on the cross for us without ever ceasing to be fully God. How can we understand that? How can we we comprehend that? By faith. And that's it. And that's, it's by faith. It's by faith. In, in Christ's high priestly prayer in John 17. Let's read the first five verses for now. Jesus spoke these words, 
lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. And you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. See, the glory of Christ would be restored to its fullest when He would ascend back to the Father. You see, He had set His glory aside in order to take on sin and then return to glory in order to raise redeemed humanity up to glory with Him. (laughs) What a glorious thought that is, to be raised with Him. But first, but first He must endure the cross. Feeling the pain. And I can't help but believe not only the physical pain, but the anguish of taking upon himself sin. The sinless one taking on sin. Taking upon himself the punishment, the penalty, the wrath of God poured out upon sin. Jesus himself paying in full the penalty for sin for all who would believe. Now, Never think that the joy set before Him was the pain and suffering of that cross. That was not the joy. The joy is what that pain and suffering would would accomplish. That was the joy of what it would accomplish for you and for I. In Matthew 26, verse 36 through 39, we know this. What was Christ... Looking forward to the pain and suffering? (laughs) Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Does he know what's coming? Yes, he does. He does. And in his humanity, is sorrowful and deeply depressed or distressed, distressed. Verse 38, then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, oh, father, if it is possible. Let this cup pass from me. Then the most important part, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. (laughs) See, that's good for us to remember. Because there will be times in our life we need to say that same thing. Not my will, but yours. But yours be done. If it is possible... It's okay to pray that prayer, isn't it? 
Oh Lord, if it's possible, this, this trial I'm going through, Lord, if it's possible, could You take it away? But nevertheless, Your will, Your plan, Your purpose, Jesus came to do the will of the Father for the joy set before Him. And perhaps part of the joy that was set before Him was fulfilling the will of the Father. It was the Father's will that our sins be atoned for and that His own Son would be the substitutionary sacrifice for our sins. And in going to the cross, Jesus fulfilled the Father's will. In John 5, verse 30, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So that's what Jesus was all about. The will of the Father. And what was the Father's will? That His Son would go to the cross. And it was Jesus' delight to obey the Father to do His will. Let's go to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Verse 5 through 10. Verse 5, therefore, when He came, when Jesus came, when He came into the world, He said, now here, perhaps you've got it there in your notes, here the writer is quoting from Psalms 40, verses 6 through 8. That's where he's, that's where he's getting this. So he's going back into prophecy. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Let me pause there for a minute. Consider, consider this prophesied of Christ. The words of Christ prophesied years, years before the cross. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you had prepared for me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. You had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first. The first what? The first covenant, the old covenant, that he may establish the second. The what? The new covenant in my blood. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will, what will? The will of God. By the will of God. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So I believe that in becoming a sacrifice for us according to the will of God, the Father, that this was a joy. To Christ. This was a joy to Him. And if we go to Psalms 40, let's go to Psalms 40 and look at verse 8. And again, attribute this to the words of Christ prophesied. I delight to do Your will, O my God, and Your law is within my heart. It was Christ's delight to do the Father's will. He looked beyond the suffering of the cross to the joy of that was set before Him. 
Because by going to the cross, He would accomplish the Father's will. And that was joy for Him. Perhaps another joy. And understand, I'm saying perhaps. Perhaps another joy that was set before Jesus was in fulfilling the Word of God. The prophecies that had been written about Himself. Remember, He didn't come to destroy the law, but to do what? To fulfill it. Let's read Matthew 5, verses 17 and 18. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Now, also remember what Jesus told the disciples after He had risen from the dead and, and they had met together. And let's, let's go to Luke 24, verse 44 through 47. He didn't, remember, He didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Now here He is after His resurrection. And this is the words He had for them. Then He said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Man, can you imagine them going through this moment? Here's the Lord by His great power, opening their understanding. I can't, I can't imagine the memories of the words of Christ flooding back to them and them now going, I get it. I understand. Why couldn't we see that? And He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Verse 46, Then He said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So I believe it was a joy for Jesus to fulfill the Word of God. And within that fulfillment of the Word of God also came the joy of redeeming God's elect. Well, let's go to Ephesians. <laughs> let's go to Ephesians. Let's read just a few verses. We could read the first three chapters, couldn't we? Let's just read a few verses. If you haven't read Ephesians for a while, go back and read it. Just go back. There's your homework. Go, just go back and read it. Maybe read it a couple times. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, 
by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. And I know when I read that, I emphasize certain words, but that's how it comes out to me. So here we see that before the foundation of the world, according to God's own good pleasure, God the Father chose us, child of God, chose us in Christ for salvation. He predestined us before time to be adopted as His sons and daughters in Christ. (laughs) And this gracious act of the Father to choose us for salvation came first in the order of God's plan. Before the foundation of the world. (laughs) Again, how can we comprehend that? By faith. It's God's good pleasure. God's work of love toward us. But, but let's, we, we read through verse 6, but let's look what happened later in time. Verse 7. Talking of Christ. In Him, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. In other words, Jesus came in order to shed His blood and bring about the redemption of those whom God had chosen before the foundation of the world. Peter said this about Jesus in 1 Peter 1. Let's read verses 20 and 21. He, Christ, was indeed foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest... In these last times for you was manifest, was made real. That we might see, that we might know Him. But was manifest in these last times for you who through Him believe in God. And there there I could pause right there. Do you believe? Do you believe? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you believe? But was manifest in these last times for you who through Him believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. You see, Jesus came to the cross in fulfillment of a gracious plan of God the Father for us that was established in eternity. A plan in which the Son of God would die on the cross and bring about the redemption of those whom the Father had chosen for for salvation from before the foundation of the world. Hebrews 2, verses 9 and 10. We see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. Let me pause. Don't ever get confused by that. Who created the angels? Jesus. What's it talking about? Who was made a little lower than the angels. not talking about eternity past. It was talking about Him coming to the earth that He had created to be born of a virgin. That's what it's talking about. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels born here on this earth. Why? 
Why did He come? For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone, for it was fitting for Him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. So perhaps the greatest joy set before Jesus was the joy of accomplishing redemption for us. Isaiah 53, verses 10 through 12. Isaiah 53, let's read verses 10 through 12. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise Him, to crush Him. See, it pleased the Father to crush His Son. He has put Him, His Son, to grief. When you make His soul an offering for sin, He shall see His seed. He shall prolong His days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in His hands. He shall see the labor of His soul and be satisfied. See, see, perhaps that was a joy that was set before Him. He shall see the labor of His soul and be satisfied. By His knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for He shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide Him a portion with the great, and He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because He poured out His soul unto death, and He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus bore the sin of many. And again, perhaps the greatest joy set before Jesus was to redeem us back to God the Father. Let's go back to John 17. And remember, this is before the cross. And it's though, as though he looked ahead to what would be accomplished through the cross. And again, for me, I, I can almost imagine as I read this of, of Jesus perhaps taking a glimpse at those that were there with Him. But then again, looking looking ahead and thinking of us. You know, a song we sang for many years when He was on the cross, I was on His mind. John 17, verses 20 through 26. I do not pray for these alone. Look, looking at those that were in the room there. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in Me through their Word. And they all may be, that they all may be one, as You, Father, are in Me and I in You. That they also may be one in us that the world may believe that You sent Me. And the glory which You gave Me, I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one. I in them and You in Me. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that You have sent Me and have loved them as You have loved Me. How much does the Father love you? Verse 24, Father, I desire that, that they also whom you gave me may be with me 
where I am. That they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. The joy set before him, redeeming us through his blood so that we might be with him forever. That he might bring many sons and daughters to the Father. And that we might behold His glory. And that we might be made perfect in one together with Him. (laughs) And to know forever and ever that the Father loves us as much as He loves His own Son. Did you get that? Did you get that? I and them and you and me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Oh, how he loves you and me. You see, we sang that this morning. So today, as we prepare to receive the Lord's Supper, may we remember what Christ has done on our behalf. Remember that he came for the suffering of death, that he might become the captain of our salvation for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross for me child of god for you let's pray heavenly father we how can we cease from giving thanks for the mercy and grace and love that has been shown to us and bestowed to us given to us So, Father, thank You for sending Your only begotten Son. Thank You for providing a way of salvation that we might come before You holy, blameless, and above reproach, not because of anything good in us, but because of Christ and His righteousness. So, Father, help us to remember and never forget Help us to look to You. And I pray that as we partake of, of this Lord's Supper today, that You would remind us, remind us, help us have that picture of, of Your great plan of redemption through Christ and the cross. So help us, Lord, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.